0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. This is Vanessa. And I'm Sophia. And we're sisters. And for today's topic, we have a very special someone, not as a guest, just as a conversation topic, <laughs> Skylar Aston. All right. So the main thing that we wanted to talk about today, all of these podcasts really start from a place of us just having a conversation and then being like, oh my gosh, that's actually a really good question. We should like analyze that further. (laughs) So the question that Sophia and I were talking about is we've been watching this show, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and it came out this year. It's really cute. The premise of the show is that this girl, Zoe... Goes to the doctor and then as part of getting like a CAT scan, Mm -hmm. she somehow gets the magical powers of being able to hear people's inner thoughts. (laughs) But instead of just like mind reading them, she hears them as a song. So like if someone is has a secret crush, then she'll overhear them singing a love song and like no one else in the world can hear it. They don't even know that they're singing it, but she is hearing their heart like coming out through like just like a famous pop song. So it's really cute. It has a lot of really talented singers in it. There's Rory from Gilmore's in it. Or no, Lorelai, the mom. Lorelai, yeah. Yeah. and Bernadette Peters is a guest star. Yeah. A couple of people from Broadway, too. Yeah, (laughs) it's really fun. And the dance sequences are super cute. Um, Peter Gallagher, of course, plays her dad, who we all know can sing, because he was in the, I think, 92 Broadway revival of Guys and Dolls. Yeah. And in While You Were Sleeping, a perfect holiday rom-com. <laughs> he is as cute as ever as her dad. He's just, like, adorable. Mm-hmm. And, like, the family dynamics are really nice. It's a really cute show. But a major part of it is the fact that the main girl, Zoe, has a coworker slash best friend. I think they've been friends, like, since college. Who yes. is played by Skylar Aston. And his name is Max. And as we're watching this show... Sophia and I were like, wow, how does Skylar Aston keep getting cast as, like, the perfect boyfriend? <laughs> and there was just kind of, like, this indescribable quality of, like, why is he so great? And so we wanted yeah. to pick apart that question more and see if we can figure out, like, what is his secret? Is it something in him himself? Is it just he's being picked for these roles? <laughs> like, what is the secret? So that's the topic for today. Because we do believe, and we'll talk about this in other podcasts too, about CB from School and other characters. But just like, I think you can be an incredible actor, and you can portray, you know, from maybe you've observed someone who's the quote unquote perfect boyfriend, and you can pretend to be them. But he just has this sincerity in his eyes, and all of his actions and choices. Where obviously he's self aware because he knows that he's he's acting like this person, but he does too good of a job that we're kind of like is this just how he's in real life entity is that makes me so happy just to know that he exists so <laughs> yeah and the fact that it keeps happening so we'll yeah. talk about his filmography as well and how this is kind of a recurring theme in his past So to understand their relationship, is going to give us a little background of the history of Zoe and Max, mm-hmm. that's their characters' names, and uh, how they kind of have evolved as a couple. So Zoe and Max have been friends for at least five years. They've been working at the same company for a while. And from the onset of the show, it is very obvious that Max has a huge crush on her, totally likes her. And from the very beginning, it's just so, like, sweet and sincere, like, it's not just this attraction like, oh, you're pretty or you're smart. I like you. He really just loves her as a person all the way around. And it's totally precious to watch. And she doesn't really know. So that's like kind of that drama in the show for the first couple episodes is like, oh, he likes her. We can totally tell in the audience, but she's totally unaware. And she might have a crush on another co-worker. So it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. So the ball gets rolling with Max as the perfect boyfriend when... Zoe has the powers to hear people singing, and she hears him singing a song by the Partridge Family, a very old 70s TV show. I had to look it up because I didn't recognize the song. <laughs> it's the cheesiest, cutest, funny song. They picked a cheesy song on purpose, I think. And yeah, it's like, I think I love you. And so oh, 70s yeah. and cute. I, think I remember it's, that. It's sung by like a teenager, I think. It's so funny. And she hears him do this full-out dance and confess how he really likes her. And so that obviously startles her. She doesn't know what to do with these emotions. She's worried about their friendship, rooting their friendship. Plus she kind of has a thing for this other guy, Simon, another coworker. Plus the drama with her dad um, who's terminally ill. So it's just like a lot going on for her. She does something questionable though, which Max doesn't know. She tries to get him away from her to save their friendship by throwing his affections onto a girl who works at their uh, local cafe, a barista. Don't remember her name, but side note. She was one of the replacements for the Newsies cast on Broadway, so I totally can't remember her name. But Yeah, a lot of Broadway <laughs> people are in this. It makes sense because it's a show about singing and dancing, but it's kind of fun yeah. to see that crossover. Yeah, it's funny to see Broadway people who are, like, big on Broadway turn to TV, and they're just, like, a minor character. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's like Supergirl all over again. I know, and so she's Max is preoccupied with this new girl now, this blonde girl. You can kind of still tell that he's like maybe a little bit hurt deep deep inside like oh you know but he's a great guy so he's throwing his affections onto this new lady. And he also doesn't know that Zoe knows how he feels because oh, no. when she sings or when people sing to her it's like her reading their mind. They don't they're not telling her. It's like all subconscious. So he has no idea that she heard him singing that he loves her and that she's doing this on purpose. He just thinks like oh she's my friend and she's like trying to set me up like okay whatever. Exactly. And he's like, I think something happens to I don't remember, where he's like, he decides like, oh, she's not into me. Like, it's time for me to move on or whatever. But obviously that doesn't work. So here's where things get good. Max and I think a lot of their office are at an engagement party for Simon and his soon-to-be ex-fiance. They have a lot of drama. Zoe kind of shoehorned her way into that because she liked Simon. Well, she and Simon both had kind of a – connection over their dads because her dad's ill and his dad passed away so they kind of have like an emotional bond Mm -hmm. that consciously or unconsciously I think for both of them is kind of turning into something more. Yeah. And she didn't know, Simon's a little morally questionable because she didn't know that he was engaged for a couple episodes until he just dropped that bomb after they had been out on what would basically qualify as dates. So they're at this very awkward engagement party and the Two fiancés, you know, the people who are engaged, break up, and it's this huge dramatic thing, and Zoe feels partially responsible because she's like, I feel like I've gotten in the middle of this, whatever. So she's in a very emotionally distraught place. She kind of runs away, and Max follows her to make sure he's okay because he's so freaking cute and he wants to take care of her. She gets a phone call that her dad has fallen. So it's all this stress at once, and she's freaking out, doesn't know what to do. She can't find a car to, like, take her home, basically like an Uber. Max is like... He offers to take her home, and it's the cutest thing because he, like, grabs her arm, and it's not like he's dragging her around, but he's doing it in a loving way, like, as a friend, you know, like, she can't really think for herself right now because she's so worried and stressed that he, as a good friend, like, takes her hand and he pulls her along, and he sings the 500 Mile song for her, and she can hear it, of course, and it's so darn cute. And we th- should just pause right now and yeah. say, Skylar Aston does have a beautiful voice, mm-hmm. and that song, which in the original version has like a lot of falsetto, like, I would like they go like super high-pitched. He doesn't go into that, like he keeps it all, I don't know the musical terms, but like all kind of in the same. He sings it so pop. I mean, I know I think that's a pop song now, but he sings it so like, and it's so funny! Yeah. He can't control his theater kid. It's true. He's <laughs> like, even all throughout the show, his like inner theater guy is totally coming out. But what's amazing is he is so incredibly sincere, both like as the actor and as the character that like this yeah. song that anyone else singing, you'd be like, uh, like, that's so cheesy. You totally buy it. You completely believe it. Like you see that this is his heart being expressed for like, Uh, His best friend, who he loves, Zoe, and he's just like, I would do anything for you. And while they're doing this, they're going through like a super busy street that's like really crowded and he's trying to find her like one of those like little scooters to like rent and ride to the hospital to see her dad. And he's kind of like, you know, shielding her from like drunk people leaving the Warriors game and like pushing them out of the way. And then they get very determined. He's walking ahead of her, like kind of dragging her along, but in a nice way. Kind of like shepherding her. Shepherding, yeah. Yeah, and so just, like, the song itself somehow does not read as cheesy. Like, it reads, <laughs> the audience, you totally buy it. It's, like, really attractive, actually. He's super manly and, like, he's on a mission. And something about that is really attractive. Especially, side note, the person I just broke up with did not have that those qualities at all.
1: And I didn't realize
0: that until we were kind of already dating. But seeing other people who are just, like... Just being assertive, guy or girl, is attractive, and so yeah, I I was kind of like, hee hee for me, I was like, oh nice, you know, good for her. (laughs) So, Max gets her to see her dad, whatever. At the end of the night, after she's seen her dad, she thanks him, and she says something that, for Max's poor little heart that has a crush on her, totally sparks this fire in him. She's like, I need more Max in my life. So then, a couple days later, they're hanging out at the mall. And they're getting dinner, uh, lunch at the mall. And he's kind of looking around a little shiftily. And then all of a sudden, he starts singing to her another love song. And she's like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. This guy's in love with me. But then she says out loud, like, oh, do we really have to sing or something? He responds. And she's like, wait, you can hear me? And he's like, yeah, of course I can hear you. This is a flash mob. So he rented a flash mob to, like, perform to her. And basically, he says, I love you in front of all these people. He paid, went to rehearsals to, like, find a way to prove his love to her. She totally runs away and leaves him hate, which is super embarrassing for him. Max is totally shocked and extremely hurt because he got rejected in public in front of all these people. Plus, she confesses that she knew that he liked her. She he, tells him about her powers. Yeah, and he's like, wow, so you knew I liked you and you tried to set me up with someone else? Super hurt. In one episode after this, she has a glitch in her powers where now she sings her feelings, but it's not just in people's heads, it's out loud. So she has this uncontrollable urge where she has to sing. So it's super embarrassing. During that time, though, she can't stop herself from seeing Jason Mraz's I'm Yours to Max, which is basically her way of saying I love you back. It's super cute, and then she's kind of confused after singing it, like, oh, why did I do that? I'm sorry, that was weird. He's like, no, that's great, haha," because that's what he wants, you know? Literally five minutes later, she's in the, like, office's meditation room with Simon, the ex-fiance guy, remember? She starts to sing Want You to Want Me to him, but like a slow, like sensual version. It's weird. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is odd. Like she just said she loves someone else. She must be having these conflicting emotions. At the end of the song, Max has been standing there the Uh... whole time. And he heard her singing this song to Simon. Simon's like, what the, like he's totally oblivious. He's like super like, what's going on? Max kind of basically runs away, super upset. She goes after him and she's like, Max, please. And he's like, I don't want to talk. She follows him into the men's bathroom, which was just funny. And he's like, I don't know what to believe anymore. Like, a minute ago, you you sing a love song to me. Next thing I know, you sing a love song to someone else. Like, what is it? I will say this, though, and I love this part. It was just so, like, wow, that's spitting truth, Max. He was like, I do know one thing, though, about the two songs you sing. One of them was a song about attraction, and one was about love. And then he kind of walks away, and he's like, I don't know about you, but if it was me, I'd pick the one that's about love. And then he's like, what? (laughs) What? It's so funny. And then from there on, he goes through a period of, like, he sings bye-bye-bye, like, saying, like, I'm done with you. Yeah, we're doing this tonight. But it's so funny because you can tell. And the same thing happens in Pitch Perfect, which we'll talk about later. He tries to convince himself that he's over her, but he's totally in denial. He's really not. (laughs) Yeah, it's super cute. And even their conversation in the bathroom he respects her enough as a person and as a friend first and foremost to be honest with her and say like, hey, here's what I notice about you. The same way that like I might talk to my siblings, like one of my girlfriends, like, hey, I notice that you're going through this thing. Here's what I think because I care about you and I know you really well. Here's what I notice is going on. You know, one song's about love, one's about lust. He respects her enough to have like an honest conversation but still give her a choice. And he wasn't like blaming her or like telling her what to do. He's like... or moping moping, right he's not being bitter either he's just being completely honest and like Well, he's a little bitter but it's funny (laughs) yeah the words that he's saying and the actions that he's taking are of course hurt but they're still really sincere and coming from a place of being a genuinely good friend which is a huge part in my opinion of what makes him like we're going to talk about such an attractive character and on top of that the fact that he's attracted to her romantically and genuinely loves her is cool but like their relationship (laughs) is coming from a foundation of just yeah Yeah. really really strong friendship I think is one of like the best things that comes across in the show Mm -hmm. so next thing he gets offered a job on the sixth floor I think they're on the second or third floor so he gets like a little promotion of the same company of the same company yeah so they're not going to work across from each other anymore so he comes to her and he's kind of doing a little test and he's like hey so I got offered a job upstairs like do you think I should take it and she which i thought this is an okay answer this is what i probably would have said even though she's she's like i'm gonna miss you and seeing you every day but yeah this is a great career opportunity you should take it this is what you've been waiting for you know and he's like okay and she's like was that the right answer and he's like no but it helps me and i was like oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes upstairs and the two floors kind of get into this he wanted like, her to say like no don't stay. leave yeah i love you so the two floors kind of get into this whole musical argument um, one of the ladies from hamilton is in it she guest stars it's really funny and <laughs> he basically at this like showdown he's like none of you asked me to stay on the third floor not even you Zoe like he's totally hurt that like nobody wanted me and I went where they wanted me so it's kind of like a little bit of payback thing well it turns out he had hired someone while he was in charge in his new promotion he would hired someone who had been leaking secrets to another part of the company so he gets fired even though he's been there for like three days he gets fired Zoe comes along, because they have this kind of give and take, like they'll be upset each other and they help. One needs help, they'll help me, blah, blah, blah. He's really helpful and caring about her dad. He really loves her dad too. So she comforts him now that he's lost his job and they're friends again, okay? But here's the thing. She goes, makes a case on his behalf, makes a case for him. She gets his job back. So they're hanging out at her apartment on the couch and they're just talking and she's like, hey, guess what? I got your job back. And he's like, oh wow thank you but you know I've thought about it and he starts talking about his passions and he's like I don't think I want that job anymore and I want to start fresh and I want to do something new she leans over and in kisses. the middle of him talking about this in the middle of him talking and kisses <laughs> I will say the editing in the scene is really weird it seems super last minute like there isn't consistency between shots like they're in one position and then they switch his shots and they're in the other position it's kind of funny so please go watch it and just give yourself a good laugh. But it's also super romantic and their kiss is really nice. So they kiss and then he's like, what was that for? And then she's like, I don't know. I just feel like it. And then he's like, oh, how do you like this? There's something cheesy. But you're like, I've been waiting for this. It's good. But I don't think it's entirely cheesy. Actually, another reason why he's amazing, because it's so sincere. He's, he's yeah. self-assured. He's manly. He's cool. He's They make him kind of like, quote, unquote nerdy, funny. But he's not a nerd. And he's... You socially aware. Yeah, of nobody at this fake tech company is yeah. as nerdy as anyone who actually works at a Bay Area tech company actually is. That's and they're all like, fashionable too. Yeah, I'm that's okay. the one flaw of this show. Everyone's like really nicely dressed and like I don't know. I know. <laughs> being local, I'm like, hmm. That's suspension of disbelief. <laughs> I know. Suddenly- What's harder to believe? People breaking out in song or all these tech people being like really, really normal <laughs> and have social skills? Exactly. That's that's funny. Something they did get right, though, about the show was that she is one of the only females on their floor. And they mentioned that, like, the first episode that everyone's a guy, and she's, like, one of the few And her manager is also a woman, and they had some great parts in the first few episodes about, like, both of them as female employees at this huge tech company. Yeah, that was a cool aspect. So back to the kissing. They're kissing on the couch, and then, of (laughs) course, she starts to hear him singing a song. He's not aware he's singing it, but she starts to hear him singing It's super funny. She does this whole bit where she kind of like slaps him and she's like, please stop singing. Can you think of something else? And he's like, because while he's singing, he's doing like all this choreography and stuff. And so then she like, can't be kissing. They can't kiss because in like her superpower world, he's like doing this like whole like elaborate dance. Super elaborate, (laughs) funny dance. It's super comedic. So then she's like, think of something else. And he's like, okay, okay. I'll think of something, you know, more sexy. So then he starts singing another song and they make it a whole bit. And so she's like, can you just make your mind go blank? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He just kind of wants to please her. It's so cute. I but even was- then in that moment, it's really cute too, how like right when they first kiss for the first time, like the whole point of her powers is that like the emotions in people's heart is like overflowing. And then like his first thought is like, oh my gosh, like I love you so much. Like it's really cute. I don't remember what song it is, like, but um, all of me loves all okay. Is that John Legend? Yeah. yeah, John Legend, all of me. So it's like, cute. oh, yeah. that's adorable. And then he sings the other one like, I know you want me, you know I want you, whatever. And it's like funny. So well, they're kissing. She gets a call from her dad's caretaker. It turns out her dad's having an emergency. So that kind of puts a pause on their thing. The, but it's left on a good note. It's left on a great note between them. Um, spoiler alert her father passes away which I'm like why did they kill off Peter Gallagher? I don't know. Can he come back as a ghost or something please? He is so cute. I know. <laughs> I feel like in the next season they would definitely have him show up as in a member of the choreography sequences, right? <gasps> like if someone's if the mom is like Ooh. thinking about him, then her heart song would be like something nostalgic and then maybe he would come back for like a duet oh or something. Vanessa, that's what I would do. But the people who write the show if you're listening, yeah. please <laughs> give us more Skylar <laughs> assistance. Peter Gallagher is just so cute. Just as an old man, like, he's just so, like, warm and genuine. Super warm. A great, fake dad. Yeah. yeah. She and her dad, this isn't about Max, but side note, they get a really sweet, like, little goodbye dance and song. That's something I really liked about the show, is she gets to have special moments with her dad, Mm -hmm. who can't speak, but he can speak through song. Yeah, that's just a side note. Due to his illness, he can't, (laughs) talk mm-hmm. but then because of her powers she can hear what his heart is saying it's gonna make it's me cry very it's, so it's very very well done so the season ends with max and zoe on that high note and the last thing we see of them is everyone singing um, american pie and they're just sitting together and It's kind of how it ends. It's an awkwardly really somber note to end a season on, but it hooked me. I mean, I want to come back and see what happens. So Yeah, and it was nice (laughs) because all the core characters are there. Like Max is there, her best friend. Oh, everybody on the show is there, The family dynamic on the show is really nice. They're very close to – and obviously it's sad that the dad died, but I think – I don't know. The show deals with grief, I thought, way more than you think it would for what seems like a really bright – silly rom-com it's a musical show which musical shows unfortunately historically do not go very well what's that one where it's like my list of ex-boyfriends or whatever yeah she missed california with santino fontana from cinderella that one stunk. i hated it um what are some other musical shows we were talking about about glee oh glee glee did well but i think that's because it's so dramatic and here's the difference they're aware that they're singing They're singing on purpose in real life. In a glee club versus shows where people are just singing like in a musical number where they're supposedly not aware they're singing. They're just expressing themselves. Those shows don't do well. It's true. I I don't know if it's because the audience can't who is into musicals is so small and then like the general public is like, oh, I'm not into musicals. So they don't like connect with it in the same way. Yeah. Hopefully this one it's does here. better though because it has so many really interesting questions too. Like it's not silly like a musical. It's wrestling with grief. It's wrestling with like friendship with like women and their careers. It, uh-huh. It's tackling bigger topics. I just thought of a great show, though, that was a musical where they were half musical, half self-aware. Gallivant! And you know oh! what? I just I thought of a different... If you haven't seen yeah. Gallivant, 10 out of 10, recommend. It is Hilarious. incredible. And you know what? It's, it's on, on ABC. ABC. Alan Menken wrote some of the music. Yeah. And here's the difference I was going to say. That show about all my ex-boyfriends or whatever it's called, my 70 ex-boyfriends, whatever. That show, the songs were speed-written, in my opinion. I don't I haven't actually looked into the history, but they're not... They might be catchy because they're earworms, but they're not like a Sondheim song. Incredible but they were lyrics. originals for the show. Yeah, they're originals for the show, and they weren't like, well, oh, this is groundbreaking poetry. It's like, no, this is just a song to move the plot along in the quickest TV way as possible between two commercials. Versus it's Gallagher. not like I dreamed a dream.
1: Oh, like oh iconic. no.
0: <laughs> and honestly, I think that's why it sucked. Also, the production value was a little bit odd. But honestly, if you're going to have a musical, you have to. it's like having a dance TV show. Invest in real trained dancers, not actors who think they can dance, you know? Yeah. But *Gallivant*. they hired incredible singers. But the backbone of that show had funny writing and jokes. The backbone was, was music. the music. A Disney writer, a Disney guy wrote this. Yeah. No wonder the songs. I still catch myself singing the songs. Yeah, they were really, really good. If you mm. are interested in musicals at all, you should definitely watch Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Mm-hmm. And you should definitely watch *Gallivant*. I think it has yes. three seasons. Two, just two. Oh, it just got canceled two. too early. Uh, it, the season finale of season two set it up really well for a season three then. <laughs> I guess yeah. I just imagined that. But yeah, um, the actor who plays Lassie from Psych is one of the main characters. And yes. he is so good in it. He's incredible. So talented. Yeah, it's really, really fun. That also has some Broadway people in it. A couple of people from Downton Abbey are in it if you like that show. so Yeah. yeah. So I guess we could say... What's interesting, so Gallivant had original music, but they had like one of the most talented musical theater writers. Songs that fed the plot, but also could be standalone performance pieces. That are funny and catchy. You could sing those in a musical theater class. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sing my ex boyfriend's song that's about getting your hair done. You know, that's lame. Yeah. <laughs> they were like genuinely, they have a story. Really well done songs that have like a story to them. And, and a then heart. Glee and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist are both using pop songs that everyone already knows. And Zoe's extraordinary playlist is interpreting them in a very musical, theatery way. Like you can tell that some of these people have like a clear Broadway background because you're like, yeah. okay, like <laughs> you're a little too dramatic. Your expression of that line was not a regular rock or pop expression, um, but probably that's what makes them easier to connect to and why they were more successful than other musical shows. Is the quality of the music is actually really good. All right, so now that you know a little bit about Zoe's extraordinary playlist, the next thing we have to ask is what makes Max the perfect boyfriend? Because he is. Because he old. is. <laughs> yeah, period. From the minute I saw him, not only do I like Skylar Ashton as an actor, but the minute I saw him, I was like, he's got this like pseudo nerdy cardigan wearing, but also, he still has his hair spiked in the middle, which I feel like you, <laughs> yeah. It's That's a special weird choice, type but... of man that is still pulling <laughs> off that hairstyle, and it's like, no longer the 20 teens. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. I will admit if he had one character flaw, it would be his hairdo, but he has nice (laughs) thick hair, I guess. So he's got that for him. Yeah. Okay. Immediately off the bat, Max is so in love with her. Mm -hmm. We know that there's a history there, but just immediately it's so heartwarming. Like who doesn't want to watch something where someone's in love with someone else? It's sweet and cute. And the fact that he's keeping it a secret not only creates drama for the show, but it also like You see him doing things that we know are out of love, but she's oblivious to. And that's really cute. And there's this intensity. And same thing in Pitch Perfect. The minute that Becca gets to campus, he sees her in a taxi and he starts (laughs) singing. Literally just because he's weird. But then the next time he sees her, he like... He's like, hey, I know you. We're going to be best friends. What's like, He's like, just love at first sight. And it's hilarious. And I wish it happened like that. If it happened to you, let me know. This I can believe. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's so funny. He just, he walks in like he owns the place, basically. I'm into, I mean, like her heart. Like, he just like, we know that she's moody. In her case, Becca's case, she's moody and pitch perfect. And like, you know, like, I'm a rebel. Or Zoe, who's just completely oblivious and preoccupied. He waltzes on in like, I brought Capri Suns and some movies. We're we're watching a movie tonight. Not in a weird controlling way. More in a just, like, cute puppy, like, I love you so much. Let's do everything together. Yeah, like, the excitement is there (laughs) and kind of the pursuit is there. Oh, yeah. And especially in, I think, in kind of, like, a college context, it's there in Pitch Perfect. And then in an adult context, it's there in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Mm -hmm. The love is really, like, genuine love. Like, I think we could even say, like, very godly love in a way like it's sacrificial and it yeah. is for who she really is it's not just like an infatuation or like oh I'm so into you and the contrast yeah. that it makes me think of is like a lot of times in art it, well so let's say entertainment I don't know if this is really high art but an entertainment like movies <laughs> yeah, <true>. and songs <laughs> and TV shows and unfortunately even sometimes in real life love or what we consider to be love in the English language, since we only have one word, would be like more of an infatuation, and especially for guys, the trend of it being like kind of more moody or like possessive. So, like the example yeah. of Ross from Friends, oh, or boo. I know, boo. We are sadly an anti-Ross household. Well, compared to the rest of the world, uh, yeah, we can talk more about that. <laughs> later. It's not sad for me, but household. Um, <laughs> or Drake from Hotline Bling. There's just such this interesting thing where like, oh the girl that I like made a decision that I don't like. You should feel bad for me. I'm the victim. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's like, um, no, like women are people too and they can make their own decisions. And I feel like Max's character during this show, he and Zoe have a lot of conflict, really, not even disagreements, but like genuine conflict of like, wow, that really hurt my feelings. Like, I can't believe that you knew that I liked you because of your superpowers and like you let it go for like months without ever telling me. But he still respects her autonomy and respects her and loves her genuinely enough as a friend to say, you know, make your own decision. I'm here for you if you, you know, want to come back and talk about your feelings. But if not, mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to go do this. And But, like, I, he still keeps that door of relationship open. He doesn't, like, turn it back around on her or kind of like Ross or Drake. He doesn't, like, victimize himself. He's like, well, In- he doesn't, yeah. Or criticize her for doing something he didn't like, he's like, you know what? You're, own, you're your own person. This really hurt my feelings. I value our friendship. So if you wanna talk about it, like I'm still here, but for now I'm gonna go, you know, just have some space. Yeah, that kind of thing. Going off what you're saying, Vanessa, exactly, like it really gives me hope to see how she, Zoe, is super spastic and she's got all these emotions and, and thoughts and worries that she doesn't know what to do with. And, and she's not perfect. She's not perfect, and she repeatedly over and over knows she can come to him, even if they had had a quarrel or a qualm. She still comes to him, and he's her rock. And I really like that idea of, like, the spastic one who needs help, who can think for themselves, but you can't be by yourself always, you know. No one's an island. You need help. And then he, even if he was a little annoyed at her, he's so forgiving and patient. I think patience and endurance are totally cover him. It's super attractive because Vanessa's right. He doesn't sacrifice his manliness or self-assuredness or individuality. He's not getting walked on, but he's really caring. And he's so patient with her as she's going through this. He's aware that she's going through the trauma of her dad being about to die. And so I think subconsciously a lot of that is going on in his mind. But I love how he's a rock. She can still come to him and he will still comfort her and tell her her problems. And vice versa a little bit, too, and they they apologize to each other. And she's like, I'm sorry that I acted so weird, like, blah, blah, blah. They try to, like, explain why they did it, but they really have open communication, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, well, the next thing I was going to say that makes the character so attractive is (laughs) that he's extremely self-aware, really just aware in general. Like, he's aware of his own feelings, and because he knows Zoe so well, like, going back to their conversation in the bathroom when he hears her sing a love song to him and then kind of a attraction song to this other guy. Lost. Yeah. He is aware of how that made him feel. He's like taken time on his own to think about how it made him feel. And he's <laughs> observed because what he knows about her and their relationship, their friendship, he has insight into how she's probably doing. And then they have this super open conversation about it without it being like, oh, well, I hate you, like immature and stupid. Obviously, how this you do is that to me? Yeah. right. Instead, he leaves her with the ultimatum, just like he did in Pitch Perfect. I'm like, why does he keep getting these roles? Yeah, not an ultimatum. That's the, that sounds too dramatic. He tells her very obviously how he feels, just like in Pitch Perfect when Becca's like, "Leave me alone. I don't need your help." Or like, "Why do you bail me out with my dad?" He's like, "Wow, okay." And he's very obviously hurt, but he doesn't make a big scene. Same thing in Zoe's astronomy playlist. He's hurt. But he doesn't make a scene. He just, like, removes himself, but he's not closing that door forever, which I really Mm -hmm. appreciate it. He's not like, we're never talking again or whatever. Then, he's very honest about, like, hey, if you, in both movies, both in Pitch Perfect, there's this scene where she, like, comes to visit his dorm room, (laughs) and then in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, there's a couple times this happens where he's very honest, like, hey, if. You want to be close in this way, then, like, here's what that looks like for me. Because I really like you. I'm always there for you. Exactly. And if you're ready to engage with me at that level, then, like, awesome. I'm here for you. But if not, then, like, okay, I'm just going to go. I respect your choice, but, like, I'm going to go do my own thing over here. So he's not allowing himself to be walked on. And, like, even when she kind of – Becca, for example, in Pitch Perfect, like, rejects him. He's not like, oh, I'm sorry, like he he. Like he's annoyed, he's upset, and he almost doesn't answer the door because he's like, oh, what do you want, you know? Yeah, he's honest about how it made him feel, but then at the same time, he's not like, well, screw you, like you were mean to me, or like he's not like Ross, where he's like, oh, I'm such a victim, like why doesn't she like me? mean? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do yeah. that either. He's like, you know what? This is what our relationship would look like for me. If you want to do that, awesome, the door's open. If not, that's your choice. That's okay too. I'm gonna go do this thing over here. Same thing so. in Zoe's playlist. That's I love it. Was so dramatic and extra when he's like, "One was about attraction, one was about love. If that was you, I'd pick love." And then he like leaves the bathroom in a huff. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, it's great. And I, would I also, I'm back to the good friend thing. Even in Pitch Perfect, where he's known her for like what three months, and he's already like head over heels for her in the first minute. He observes where she might have an area of growth. Like, why are you pushing everyone away? But he doesn't do it in a blaming way. He's like, listen, this is something that you have, and it's hurtful, and I don't like it, and I care about you, but keep pushing me away. Please change. Bye. Bye. And the same thing in Zoe's playlist. He's like, you have feelings for two men. That's not right. Like, you need to figure it out. I know. I just really like it. And what's (laughs) fascinating is there's so many parallels. Like, I think the reason we wanted to bring this up is because between Pitch Perfect and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, it's like almost the exact same formula of like... (laughs) Literally! (laughs) Deep genuine friendship, sacrificial love. Huge then there's crush though. Like huge crush. Super yeah. love. Super like one-sided love. <laughs> right. And then the girl's like, Yeah, you're really great. I appreciate you. They are attracted to him at some level, but then something happens where the girl rejects him and then he kind of distances himself, but the door's still open. And then they reconcile and come together. It's just weird how almost like exactly the really? same the formula is. Because the girl realizes that she needs his help because he's her rock. Right. And honestly, watching Pitch Perfect, I was so attracted. Yeah! <laughs> I was like, oh, even when he was singing like songs from what twenty twelve, I was it was so funny to hear the song choice. But I was like, <laughs> oh, like it was funny. So freaking supportive. Like, why? I love it. Yeah. And the thing is, it doesn't seem like a Hallmark man, which is unattainable to me. Hallmark men. Are like just dum dums, you know? Yeah. They're big. Like, Hallmark, Hallmark mm-hmm. men are what women in movies have been for like most of years. history. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, just there to look cute and provide fulfill them. the protagonist's fantasies. And exactly, that's like it. the boy next door is basically what all the Hallmark men are, except yeah. even stupider. Yeah, and in a little <laughs> the cardboard cutout next door, the cardboard cutout man. Oh my gosh! <what> <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> wow, he was like a teeny little sparkle on his teeth. Yeah, and he's tall and whatever. The difference with Skylar Aston's characters though in these two movies or shows is that he's super realistic and like attainable. Like I would see someone like him at school, you know, like when I when I was at college, it's like, yeah, I would probably meet one of him, not as perfect of course, but like <laughs> someone who is spastic and sings and is a really caring heart and is more sensitive or caring than you might think at first glance. Yeah. And just a really good character. I wonder like what his Enneagram or Myers-Briggs is because he's so... He loves to help as both characters. Yeah. Loves to be that support system. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's totally right. Like you can imagine him being someone that you would actually meet. It's not like other movie characters or TV characters like Brad Pitt where like you see him and you're immediately like, oh, like, just their like charisma and like physical attraction you're like oh wow like what a great leading man you know or chris hemsworth yeah yeah or for me liam hemsworth i don't know why i think he's the cuter (laughs) chris pine (laughs) yeah okay chris pine wins all of those he wins all awards yeah period and he can sing (laughs) so yeah chris chris pine is in a different tier but obviously he's still a really nice looking guy and he's a celebrity but he, like Sophia was saying, seems more like someone you might actually know. And what makes these two characters so attractive, because literally after watching this movie or this show, your heart just like goes out to him, kind of in a similar way that you might be like, oh my gosh, like in High School Musical, like when we were young, like, oh, Zac Efron's so hot. But in Skylar Astin's cases, as these two characters, it's more just his personality and the way that he's acting the role that you can't help but be like oh my gosh like our heart is just like so drawn to him we were saying that he has like almost this like glow or like this like magnetism about him it radiates and that's attractive and skylar Aston, if you're listening we're not saying that you're not hot you really are but we're just saying that you're it goes so much deeper than a hallmark man who's just there to look hot that's all he does yeah the personality (laughs) is really what makes it such an amazing yeah it draws you in So I feel like we answered our first question. What makes him the perfect boyfriend? It's all these personality traits of, you know, his sincerity, his self-awareness, his honesty. And he's just cute enough. He's just cute. And he genuinely is really in love with the leading lady. And it just, like, comes through so clearly. So, you know, I think that's what makes him seem, like, so attractive in these two roles. And out of that love pours all the support and caring and gestures and midnight walks home. And if any kind of other movie or TV character, makes him someone that in real life you would really want to be with. Whereas, you know, like, I don't know, Liam Hemsworth, who knows in what movie, you're like, oh, yeah, he's super hot. And you might imagine like, oh, that'd be cool. But then in real life, you'd be like, um, you would much rather have someone like Skylar Astin (laughs) in these two characters that is like just super supportive of you and loves you, you know, unconditionally. So that leads to our next point is why does Skylar Aston keep getting the same roles and why is he perfect for them? Yeah. Is it something inherent in him that like these roles were already written and he just got cast as, you know, Pitch Perfect and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist Leading Man? Or is there something in his personality? Is this what he's really like and he's bringing that to these two roles? I love what you said Vanessa about like, is there something inherently in him? Skylar him that makes him perfect for these roles. And I think it's a little bit of both, because casting directors, I feel like don't get enough clout, but they're, any favorite movie you have, people win awards for best actor, thank the casting director, because it's literally their job to pick the perfect person. And as someone who's been on the casting side for theater, it's like two people can come in and do the same exact monologue, but they just have different interpretations based on their experiences and their personality and their technique and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, their level of skill, whatever, but like who they are as a person is always going to shine through a little bit. And I definitely, totally, I think I'd like to believe that Skylar Astin is exactly like his characters or at least they're a characterization of him. Yeah. Because I can just imagine if these lines, if you really pick apart his lines in Pitch Perfect, Let's do the, like, Capri Sun example. When they're sitting on the grass and he, like, throws a Capri Sun at her and he's like, hey, we're going to watch Breakfast Club or whatever. And she's like, what? Imagine some other, like, doofus in that role. Some other just, like, guy. If you were to imagine someone else doing that, or even, like, the my ex-boyfriend's musical TV show, we're talking about Santino Fontana. He's cute and nice, but can you imagine a younger version of him being that character? No, I think he'd no. be way more nerdy. But he's also – Santino Fontana's, like, weirdly suave, too. I don't know how he does it, but he's, yeah. like – I feel like that's kind of a common Broadway thing. Like, none of them are handsome enough, and this sounds terrible, but, like, they're not superficially attractive enough to be, like, movie star attractive, (laughs) (laughs) but they have to, like, overcome or, like, compensate with being, like, super charming. Like, Jeremy Jordan, when you see him up close, you're like, he's just kind of a normal-looking guy. But then he plays, like, these charming characters. And he Same, sings beautifully that you're like, wait a second. Yeah, and Christian Borel, like, he's not much to look at, but I feel like he's <laughs> always such, like, a player romantic lead. Yeah. I'm always like, ew, what is happening right now? Was- my eyes are saying one thing, but my ears are <laughs> saying something else. Oh my gosh, exactly. Picture Christian Borel or someone else playing that part yeah. in Pitch Perfect or even in Zoe's playlist. They would have been they would have brought themselves to it in a different way. Completely and so different. kudos to the casting directors because everything that we just listed in the two sections before this in the podcast about all of his great qualities um, and the character of Max would have been played in a different way. And I think even just lines like, you hey, were watching Breakfast Club, would have been, hey, we're watching Breakfast Club. Or it could have been like, hey, I uh, want to watch your Breakfast Club. Like he yeah. just had this balance within him of, I, I think when I say nerdy, I really just mean like, not stuck up or like personable enough. Yeah. But he's so self-aware and has great social skills. <laughs> yeah. The I, I think you're exactly right. The two words that come to mind of why he's perfect for these two roles are balance and sincerity. Ooh. Because these roles are on paper, if you were just to read them, could come across as like exactly like way too nerdy and cheesy. <laughs> Uh, or they could have been played, I can imagine an actor trying to overcome that and then making them like way too like macho man and like domineering. Not too feeling. Right. He has the perfect balance like in the 500 Miles song of being like what I think is most genuine of like non-toxic masculinity where there's like this vulnerability but also like genuine like decision, I guess like decisiveness and leadership, I'm not really sure. But Assertiveness is how I've been thinking of it, yeah. Yeah, it's like that song is such a great example. If you want to look up like the kind of encapsulation of this character, like we were saying early earlier, there's the balance between like feeling and then also being like, you know, supportive and taking action. And there's the sincerity. That's the second keyword for me. Like Mm -hmm. anyone else, I can hardly imagine anyone else singing, maybe Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is the only person I could imagine. (laughs) Okay, Hugh's the excuse. Striking that same balance, though, of being incredibly masculine, like Wolverine. Like he's like, (laughs) not roided up necessarily, but that kind of image of like, like, you know, like I'm super buff. He gets the job done. Yeah. Yeah, like friggin' Wolverine. And then also... The Greatest Showman, or like Kate and Leopold, where you're just like, oh, like, cuddle me in your arms, Hugh. Like, you're so, like... <laughs> no, not only really, no. He has a presence. Mm-hmm. There's a presence about them. Okay, funny side note. One time, our dad was like, Hugh Jackman, he's every woman's dream. And he's not wrong. I'll never forget when he said that, because I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so is Skylar Astin our generation's Hugh Jackman? I feel like Hugh Jackman... In, like, the world stage blossomed relatively recently, though, compared to his age. Like, he was acting for a long time, but at least for me, I feel like seeing him as, like, the whole character, not just Wolverine or the romantic comedy lead, but, like, just, like, genuinely who it seems like he really is, that happened really recently for me. I don't know why. Yeah, well... Yeah. I think, okay, they might not before we stir up any Like, he's kind of still in his zenith. He hasn't peaked, whereas most actors his age, you wouldn't still be like, oh, like, mid-40s, like, approaching 50s. You'd be like, oh, wow, leading man material, like, teehee. Yeah. I feel like he's still kind of on the upturn for, like, the world stage. I don't know why. And as far as him and Skylar Aston being, like, can they play like father son or something? <gasps> oh, oh, I don't were know. They, wait, a Hallmark movie where they're father and son and they both, he helps like the widowed mom and then he <laughs> finds a girl at school and they, uh, they heal hearts across the world. <laughs> no, but I, I was going to say, they might not like, I, I think in his career so far, Scott Aston isn't at the same level of acclaim as Hugh Jackman, who's sing. he's a triple threat. You know, he's done Broadway. He started on the stage actually in Broadway, Oklahoma. And then, you know, then his movie career, whatever. But I think they both fill the same hole in that the type of character they play. I can't Mm -hmm. think of anyone else. Hugh Jackman's a good one, but I can't think of anyone else. Thank you. Maybe Chris Pine in Wonder Woman. But he's a bit of a dum-dum, and that's on purpose. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. wow. It's just, that that is, yeah, thank you. I think they both have that element of balance, like we said, and sincerity. Where lines that would seem super cheesy coming out of anyone (laughs) else. Or like breaking into song over like, their deepest emotions but still being extremely manly and hot. That is a hard line to toe and I think they both do an excellent job. And speaking of sincerity, I was going to say this earlier going off what you said, part of that sincerity is that they're so un- uh, aware of how they feel. Yeah. They're sincere mm-hmm. with themselves and yeah. they have the EQ. They have the emotional intelligence to be like here's how I feel. You know they're not geniuses about but they are very like even again, back to both of Skylar Astin's characters. Very like, hey, I have these feelings for this girl, and she's great, and why not? Yeah, you know? and they're and that's nice. It's refreshing. Totally. None refreshing. of this dancing around. How many? We're going to talk about this later. How many TV shows and movies is there? This will they won't they? Which everyone loves a little bit of will they won't they? But when it goes on for like six seasons, at it's that too point, much. I'm like, well, apparently they won't. So why? Yeah. And I stop watching. <laughs> You've wasted a decade of your I life. I want to see you kiss. <laughs> you know. I totally agree, Sophia. I feel like the key is that there's what makes them so attractive and so perfect for this type of role, which would be kind of the ideal boyfriend in real life, is they're so aware of their emotions and they're able to express them and they're not ashamed of them. And I feel like for Hugh Jackman, like he did a live show that was like touring the country last year where he just like went to like, you know, arenas and like sang Broadway songs. And I'm like, how on earth in the context of the average man is this, like, super buff, super hot, like, you know, superhero man also being so caring and so vulnerable and just, like, hopping out there, like, friggin' tap dancing. And he loves singing and he knows it, so he's gonna sing! Yeah! Yeah. And he's expressing his feelings and he's not ashamed or embarrassed. What's special about both of these guys and why they're so perfect for this character (laughs) and what really does make them, in my mind, as a woman, like, the perfect ideal boyfriend, like we're saying, is they're like aware of their feelings and they're not ashamed of them and they're expressing them in like a really positive way that's such a cool thing yeah you know Vanessa since you brought up toxic masculinity and how you're saying something that we've repeatedly said is how part of what makes these men attractive is that they're Accepting of their own emotions and that they're expressive. I feel like that's the opposite of toxic masculinity, you know, mm-hmm. and Podcast listeners you knew this was gonna happen Harry Styles had to come into this But I saw this one Vanessa's just shaking her head now and rolling her eyes. I saw this pain um, on Pinterest once that explained it so well. It was like people always talk about um, toxic masculinity, but what's the opposite like what would be a good example of like good masculinity and one of the examples was well now I would throw in Hugh Jackman but one of the examples was Harry Styles and obviously Harry Styles doesn't fit into the perfect boyfriend niche in the way that we're talking about Skylar Aston does because Harry Styles is like a rock star celebrity but <laughs> he, even like basically everything we said in our podcast you know he dresses how he wants to he wears pearls but he still is so assured in who he is he's experimental and he's not afraid to try new things I mean, there's this photo shoot where he posed in a tutu once, but he's having so much fun, you know? But at the end of the day, he's still so aware of who he is and of his own masculinity, and that's why people feel safe and comfortable around him. And literally, in my time spent on TikTok, it knows that I want to see Harry Styles, so it keeps sending it to me. And all these jokes about, like, everyone being like, in the future when I'm married to Harry, us playing his songs for our kids, you know, people have so many, like, Wattpad fanfics about their future life with him. Because we can all picture ourselves actually not just marrying him, but like, well, here's the difference. Not just being with him, marrying him. Yeah. That's a, it's like the wed bed behead joke, you know? Like, you're not just being with this person, you're marrying them. And then you can see yourself having kids with him. Obviously, it's like just a fantasy joke thing. But it's like, kudos to you because you're the kind of person that we feel safe with Mm -hmm. and who we can support and who supports us. It's really beautiful. Harry, you had to come into this. Totally. (laughs) all right so the last thing we wanted to talk about today was just something that i've noticed that is really unusual about zoe's extraordinary playlist which is the main ship you could say the main couple zoe and max gets together before the end of the season like it isn't even the season finale it's not like the big drama that ends the whole season it's like the second to last episode, and how unusual that is. So I wanted to think through, like, why is this evolving, the main couple in the relationship getting together so much sooner? So thinking chronologically, let's say in, like, the 50s and 60s and 70s, the majority of sitcoms were, like, family sitcoms, like Leave It to Beaver, all the way through kind of like The Cosby Show. So the main source of drama is, like, random crap that happens to their families, and then they all have to, like, deal with it. Then you have maybe the next generation of type of show, which is Remington Steel or Moonlighting, where the source of drama on the show is coming from the plot of each episode, the case that they have to solve. And then the relationship between this unmarried couple is not the main source of drama. It's just like kind of a fun cherry on top. Then the next generation we get to would be like friends, Frasier, even seinfeld to an extent where the like romantic exploits of these unmarried couples is like the main source of drama on this show like yeah other stuff happens but 50 to 70 percent of the time it's about them meeting or you know trying to get with somebody and especially the main will they won't they couple going on for like years and years and years and then that just made me think about the contrast of the most popular sitcoms in recent years, which I would say were The Office and then Parks and Rec. So like early 2000s is The Office. Later, 2000s, 2010s is Parks and Rec. The main couples on both of those shows got together by season three. So Jim and Pam get together in the almost season finale of season three. And then Ben and Leslie get together in episode like 14 of season three. So if Ben didn't even join the cast till season two, they got together like, boom, like they didn't waste any time. And I think it's so cool that in those two shows, yeah, of course there was drama of like, oh, Jim Pam, like what's going to happen with them? Or like Ben and Leslie, like their relationship has to be a secret, blah, blah, blah. But then once they got together, the tension of the show wasn't lost. I feel like if Ross and Rachel had gotten together in season three, like 40% of the drama on the show would have been gone. And like, no one would have kept watching it for that angle. Whereas Ben and Leslie get together in season three and then you see them like grow as a couple and you see Leslie have drama from her career. There's interest in events in the show coming from all angles. It's not just fueled by their relationship as a couple. Another thing I will say is, like comparing Remington Steel or mood lighting, well more Remington Steele. the characters, it's obviously like each other, just like, you know, maybe in Friends, But they do something about it right away. Literally in season one of Remington Steel, they've already kissed. Yeah. And they've already, like, you know, been on a case where they're like, oh, we have to share the same sleeping bag, you know? (laughs) But they actually, it's super cute. They actually, like, they they know that they like each other, and that's just a part of their business. And it does come up a little bit later, like, oh, I can't focus because of you, whatever. But that doesn't separate them. They're still together. Yeah. And then compared to Friends, or even TV shows now, this will, they won't, they will... Like, look at Grey's Nadine, you know? It goes on for so many years that I get tired and annoyed. And it's it's just like, I wouldn't take notes from those shows. Because if you like someone, even though it's really hard, to say it, take a card from Skylar Aston or from Rovington Steel and just say it and get it out there and then decide what to do. Not be so afraid. It really annoys me how afraid these characters are to just say it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is the most recent of all of these, It literally didn't even last one season it was like not even the season finale it was like towards the end the second to last episode and the main characters got together and now they're like a thing and we'll see how their relationship continues to play out but i thought that was really interesting like looking chronologically how the tension between a main unmarried couple is being used as a resource for drama on the show. And I think it's a really great trend. I think it's fun because from my perspective, it's showing that TV is getting more interesting all the time and also that it's getting more similar to real life. Like Remington Steel, there's so much great about it, but it's very artificial. No one's real life is actually like that. Whereas as we evolve throughout time, maybe Friends was like a little bit more like real life. And then Parks and Rec, It was like even more realistic than that. And then now for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, it's fun because it's just her going through her career and life and interesting things are happening to her all the time with her family, with her job, with her neighbor, and with her romantic love interest. The main source of intrigue for her or our interest in her as a a character isn't hinging on whether she ends up with Ross, it's just that we really like her as a character and cool stuff is happening in her life and her romantic relationship is one aspect of that, but there's a lot about her to love. And I think that's a great trajectory. Well, thank you, Skylar Astin, for doing such a great job in these two wonderful roles. And thank you for giving us all something to aspire to. And thank you for showing us what the perfect hypothetical TV boyfriend looks like. And I really trust that you are like that in real life. I really hope. Oh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Well, thank you to our listeners, too. Thanks for yes. joining us. And we are excited to see you next time. Yay! Hello, Seattle. I'm Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm listening. <laughs>